Chris Chang and Phillips, and this is Let's Find Out, a monthly podcast about the history of Edmonton, Alberta, or Amiskwichi with Sky Gone, on Treaty 6 territory. Let's Find Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Each episode, we take questions from curious Edmontonians about local history, and then we find out the answers together. And the most logical place to start this story is with the most common complaint about Edmonton, winter. It had struck me that before, like I didn't grow up here. I actually grew up in BC and I'm fairly, you know, I've lived in Alberta for about 10 years and, and often heard people say, and I've joked myself that winter lasts half the year here, which it kind of feels like. So, and then when I, I opened this, to this page, I realized that the traditional people in Treaty 6 territory, or at least these particular people that were, uh, whose uh, calendar was being talked about actually considered that there were six seasons, not four. And looking at it, basically at least two of them were analogous to winter. This is Ben Freeland. Um, well, my name is Ben Freeland. I'm a writer by profession. Uh, and uh, I write in a lot of different, uh, I wear a lot of different hats, I suppose, as a writer. I'm a poet, uh, essayist. By day, I, uh, I'm an ESL instructor with a focus on uh, teaching writing skills to uh, newcomers to this country. Uh, I love writing. I love the writing process. And uh, I also have a background as a historian. I have a master's degree in history from the University of British Columbia. And my focus there was actually uh, Japanese history. Uh, I'm a former um, Monbusho Japanese government scholar at uh, Tokyo University of Foreign Studies, where I lived for a number of years. I'm a word guy, um, in short, and uh, I love language, and I love, uh, also love what la how language informs us about culture and, and vice versa. And I think the topic we're going to discuss is kind of how we can maybe bring our language more into alignment with uh, where we want to be culturally and even ecologically. Uh, so let's talk about your question. You you posted this on Taproot a while back. Um, you were curious about the Cree calendar for this place. So d tell me what you were curious about. Well, it kind of goes back to when I was uh, working as a communications uh, advisor at uh, Native Counseling Services of Alberta. And one of my responsibilities while I was there was actually uh, taking care of the research library. So I was essentially a librarian. So there was a lot of time where I was just kind of... Uh, rifling through the, uh, these really interesting books uh, about, uh, you know, some of them were kind of traditional, uh, you know, uh, traditional law, traditional culture, traditional learnings from elders, much of which had been kind of taken down orally. Um, some of this was quite old. And there was a book that I cracked open and it, it really intrigued me. And it was actually about the uh, traditional calendar for the... Uh, the Cree, I guess, like Plains Cree, the, the traditional people of country six territory. So you have a calendar where at least like a third of the year is winter. And that just really seemed to make sense of what the year, what the shape of the year is like. Because everywhere you go, the, the seasons have a different, uh, uh, different, Top topography to them. And uh, so in this particular calendar, um, there is spring, summer, the fall, and then the freeze, the freeze up. Ben went on to Taproot Edmonton, who we're partnering with for this episode, 
and he posted a question about this calendar in the story garden on Taproot's website, naming the six seasons he'd learned about in Cree, and asking why we don't revive it here on Treaty 6 territory. Uh, yeah, so uh, the traditional uh, rubric is, uh, so Nipin, which is summer, and any Cree speakers are, will, are more than welcome to uh, take a bo- bone to pick with me on my pronunciation. <laughs> so Nipin, which is summer, Takwagin, which is autumn, Migiskal, which is the freeze, Pipon, which I think would translate literally to deep winter, which is roughly January, February, Sikwan, which is translated as spring, but basically early spring, and then Mitoskamin, which is translated as the breakup, which my understanding is it's when all of the kind of ice disappears from rivers and basically the last of any remnants of frozen stuff disappears, and then you're back into uh, Nipping, which is summer. Uh, that's my understanding of it. I, I, I've picked a few uh, brains among uh, elders that I've had a chance to meet, and they kind of confirmed this that this was kind of the traditional way of of thinking about hunting seasons because there are traditionally different animals and fish, birds, whatnot that are associated with the different seasons. They correspond to when 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 you're allowed to hunt for certain types of animals, when you're when you harvest certain types of berries, and there's a very there's a rhythm of, of the year that goes along with that. So this really stuck with me, and it stuck with me for a number of reasons. Um, I, I ended up writing a poem, uh, which I called Wakotuin, which is the Cree word for uh, interdependency and, and balance, basically, sort of the cognate for Tao in like the Asian tradition, like the, the yin and yang. Um, so, and uh, subtitled The Six Seasons of Amiskwichis. Um, I, I really thought a lot about it because, first of all, when you think about decolonization, there's a lot of talk about decolonization. Um, we don't really talk about decolonizing our language. And that, so- that sounds like very like something that would upset Jordan Peterson uh, and, and his ilk about, oh, you don't police our language. I'm not not thinking about policing our language, just being more creative with it and actually trying to bring our language closer into alignment with the reality of the world in which we live. Like uh, the four season calendar makes perfect sense for Europe. It made perfect sense for Vivaldi when he wrote the four seasons. Uh, It makes perfect sense in Japan where I used to live. Uh, It makes no sense for Edmonton. It really doesn't. Uh, and it just, it would seem to be a way of, of, you know, if we were to somehow bring this back into our, into our language, uh, it would both honor the traditional people of Treaty 6 territory and also actually make a whole lot more sense in how we talk about our seasons. Coming from Vancouver, like, did learning about this way of seeing the cycle of the year make winter more bearable for you? Actually, it did. And I, I, I got to enjoy winter more because it felt like it felt like it was something different. It was something it gave me more respect for winter uh, or, you know, the, the deep winter versus the freeze versus the you, you recognize more things going on around you. It made me more observant. Uh, say when I'm walking through the river valley and what I'm seeing 
and just a little more reverential and a little less dismissive of ugh, winter. We kind of think and we kind of think the world all looks like us, even when we don't quite quite look like us. We're so brainwashed into the idea of, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall. Uh, and we've been ha- that's been hammered into us so much. It reminds me of uh, uh, Star Trek with the uh, Captain Picard and the Cardassians. It's, there are four lights. Uh, when they're tortured, and- yeah, exactly. When there are there were five, uh, to- being told there were five lights rather than four. I feel like a similar job has been done with us with our, the, our uh, environment. In a way, it's like no, that's that's not what it is. It's this, huh? I, I I would never have thought to compare this to Captain Picard being tortured I by like a Star Trek analogy in there. Even. I love I, I'm really like in a big Star Trek phase in my life right now. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Probably add, and this is a another caveat that uh, I don't I don't think anything should be enforced on people against their will. I mean, uh, I remember reading about I think it was Turkmenistan where the former president for life uh, changed the names of months like after his mother and things like that, and and it was this whole it was ridiculous. It would be it would be funny if it weren't so tyrannical, uh, and I'm really. And I can't emphasize this enough. I'm not interested in policing people's language. Uh, this should be language should be enjoyable. Language should be poetic and and uh, something that we kind of dive into with a sense of joy, not a sense of drudgery. It's like, oh, we have to do this to appease our our indigenous brothers and sisters. That's not what I'm <laughs> not what I propose at all. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I I I see what you're saying, and yeah. I like. I see like a good outcome for listeners would be like kind of similar to learning to like recognize Saskatoons when they go for a walk. Exactly. That it's like exactly. not something you are forced to eat, um, yeah. but like, hey, it's part of this landscape. Did you know that? That there's like this delicious edible thing yeah. available to yeah, you right, right here? Yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. In a minute, I start the search for someone we could speak to who could bring joy and not drudgery to the way we think about the year. But first, Let's Find Out is supported by LitFest, Canada's first and only nonfiction festival. LitFest runs October 11th to 21st this year. I was lucky enough to be part of it a couple years ago, and it's a great festival. There are dozens of events with writers from across Canada and beyond, and they're all sharing true stories and big ideas about culture, food, science, politics, and more. Poet Billy Ray Belcourt is speaking. His book, This Wound is a World, is seriously good reading. It's outrageous and intimate and vulnerable. Also, artist Vivek Shraya, author of I'm Afraid of Men and Even This Page is White. I've interviewed Vivek before, and she just makes the most exciting, honest stuff. There are lots more speakers listed at litfestalberta.org. Festival passes are only 129 bucks. Four packs and single tickets are also available, of course. And you can get five bucks off by using the promo code APNROCKS. Get your tickets today at litfestalberta.org and use the promo code APNROCKS. We also want to let you know about a new podcast affiliate on the Alberta Podcast Network with some very cool Edmontonians working on it. It's called Otherwise, a variety podcast about experiences of Edmontonians of all different backgrounds. They want to highlight our diversity and the heritage here, reflect who we are as a city, and bring about some positive social change. Edmonton's Poet Laureate, Ahmed Nomadic Ali, is one of the brains behind Otherwise, They've dropped a little introductory mini-episode, 
and they have a launch event coming up the night of September 28th. You can learn more at otherwiseshow.com and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Proud of you folks for making this thing happen. Okay, back to the story. There are lots of Cree teachers in Edmonton, but finding somebody who was around who could speak about the calendar took a little more legwork. Specifically, it took heading an hour south of Edmonton first to the Musquechase Reserve, which I was thrilled to learn got the first on-reserve rainbow sidewalk in Canada this year. Long story short, I was there hoping to connect Ben with this elder. I ended up going out to this elder's property and I ended up uh, hauling stones and wood for this sweat lodge and then actually going through a sweat with a bunch of folks there, which if you haven't done it before, it takes a lot of strength to go through one of those. There are four rounds and I did not make it through all four. It was my second sweat and even with a towel over my head to help with the heat, I found it kind of physically and emotionally intense. But anyway, Ben got sick the day we were supposed to head down to Musquechis together to meet this elder. Luckily, I had reached out to another Cree teacher down at Musquechis Cultural College, and she and her sister were kind enough to come up to Edmonton to meet me for a chat, which I recorded and played back for Ben. Um, hi, Ben. Hi, Chris. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Um, it is, uh, it's been a little while since we met last. Um, it is no longer a beautiful late summer outside um it's it's a deep snow already it's already we've we've skipped a couple of seasons i think uh in the six season pattern i i don't know where we are <laughs> um and that's perfect because uh we're gonna listen to uh what i was able to dig up for you um from uh, Yvonne and Norma Saddleback, um, who I got connected to through Musquechus Cultural College, who are going to talk a little bit about their understanding of the Cree calendar. Basically, as soon as Norma and Yvonne Saddleback came in the door, my Cree lesson began. Be video? No, just audio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> and how did you say it? I used to speak in Cree. <laughs> That's great. How do you how do you say it? Miranda. I explained my intention with the podcast and offered tobacco to both of them, and we started chatting. Norma Salbeck and Zika son tak bekanak mana eksnamagian maskoti si kotinia. My name is Norma Salbeck. I teach Arabic, and I am from Maskoti. Fabulous. Nista maskoti ote ego odinsko. Nisikason, Egonista, Jack Baconak Nepe, Atoskatawak, Mitsetoski, Egomina, Nepe, which Nepe, which Nepe, we tap my Nisimo Tahanots. Exe. When did you first learn Cree syllabics? Like, what, what's your story of, of learning the language? In uh, 1989 or 90, somewhere around there, I went to two, was it one or two sessions, and they, um, an elder from uh, Rocky Mountain House, he's since passed away, uh, like to his son child, um, he just explained a W. And then my uh, uh, authority at that time, I had a desk and he just come and showed me this paper and this class schedule and he said you're teaching this tomorrow 
So, so I had a, of course, I had a moment, you know, I'm like, ah. But anyway, I, I thought, hey, my dad taught this. He can teach it. I know I can. So I went home and I looked at it all night, said it a few times, and and yes, I I asked for help, and of course um, and you're I pointing above. Well, to the Creator, and then uh, um, it, um, the next morning I knew it. I knew because you're gonna you have to be able to you know know what you're talking about. So I I knew it. And, and ever since then, I've been teaching it off and on. And Norma and Yvonne are from Samson Cree Nation, which is one of the nations on the Musquechus Reserve. Norma teaches Cree syllabics to kids at schools all around the reserve. Syllabics are one of the two ways to write Cree. If you've been to the new Indigenous Art Park in Edmonton, you might have seen the word fire uh, written in six-foot-tall statue letters in the park there in Cree. That's Iskoteu. Yvonne teaches Cree syllabics to adults. I only teach the uni- college university adults, okay, eighteen and over. Okay, so uh, Norma, would you mind just like like uh, maybe a good place to start is what you were saying about like where does the year start in Cree? Kaya sa manaya, skipis mawa kamataki mistekteki mataki mistegi mataki misto kaya askio meki mataki mist. I I have heard from elders that a long time ago, March 1st was considered the beginning of the year. That's when they started counting. Interesting. Um, what um, What's the significance of March 1st? That's when the, the geese come flying back. And then um, another... Uh, thing there is um, like if, if if it ever happened that they didn't fly back the geese are considered sacred messengers and if if it ever happened that didn't they don't fly back and then it means that something is seriously wrong do you have memories of, of seeing the the geese fly back when you were younger yes yeah uh, apparently they would uh, have a ceremony when they came back they would have a ceremony they were so happy that they were back. And they would say, Pimatso in Petamaunan, give us, bring us life. Um, so you said um, the year used to begin with March 1st. Has that changed? Do people think of it differently now? <laughs> As you know, everybody follows the Julian calendar now. Oh, okay, yes, of course. So, Okay, so that makes sense. Okay, so uh, March. March and Skipisim, geese going north. And then I have April, Ayikipisim, frog moon, frogs are heard. Oh, when the frogs are just waking up. Yeah. Uh, May, Pinaweupisim, uh, egg laying moon. It literally means the eggs are dropping. Pinaweo. Pinaweo. Yeah. Pinakute is when something drops. I'm, I'm mentioning that is because a lot of people. Well, where does this come from? Pina, you know. So, pina will be some. And then the other name for May is Sak Pagau Um 
the leaves are budding so budding moon so those are Mioska Mio Pisimok, those three, March, April, May, uh, spring months. And then Nipin Pisimok, June, July, August. Norma told me about how each month's name relates to the cycle of either a ceremony or the weather or animals or plants. So is this how you think of the year now? No, everybody follows the 12-month cycle now. Um, no, I don't know. She did not say what year. This was a female elder that had told me that. that that's how it... Kayas, she said. She didn't specify how long ago Kayas is. Kayas means like a long time ago? A long, long time ago. So... I do wish I had asked her about when, but... Out of respect... Uh, I didn't. Yeah, that's. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, so this is this is this is fascinating to to learn about. Um, and um, yeah, I, I'm I am so curious to know. Like, there are cultures in Edmonton now that um, like like Persian culture and uh, Bengali culture also celebrate the New Year. As beginning kind of in March and the beginning of spring and stuff. Um, are there anybody that you know of that that's like trying to bring back this way of thinking of the year as, as having this cycle? They haven't talked about it yet in uh, Muscatese. Okay, interesting. There are some elders who are aware of it. Yeah. Um, my own personal observation about this um, is just that it's really interesting. Like, like each moon has a link to something happening on the land here, where we actually oh, live. On the land. That's what you meant with the like, yeah, the duck cycle and the weather. Yeah, like the animals. Mm. When August comes in Edmonton, you know, I don't think necessarily of like. Augustus Caesar coming down <laughs> and talking to us from a throne. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, this is kind of a neat way to like teach ourselves to pay attention to what's going on. Um, I'll show you what Ben had initially written. Um, so he said, uh, this is what he had learned from previous experiences talking with elders, I guess. Um, the traditional Cree calendar divides the year up into six seasons. Nipin, Tagwagin, I, 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 my Korea is terrible. So. Tagwagin. Tagwagin. It has a G. <laughs> um, Migiskao, Pipon, Sigwan, and Mitoskamin. So, um, is, uh, does, is this recognizable? Does this mean anything to you? Is this right? What, tell me. What can you tell me about these uh, six seasons? Mikisko, the freeze. Yeah, Mikisko. Pipon, Sigwan, Mioskam, and Sigwan. We don't even go into Sigwan. We just go Mioskam. But this one is Mio. You have Mitoskam. Mio, that's the Y. Okay. So he, uh, it should be Mioskamin? Mm-hmm. 
Neepin, he got that. Right? That's where she starts off with. Takwagin. Right here. Takwagin. Neepin. Takwagin. That's fall. Summer, fall. And then she she told you about this. We don't use this, the freeze. People, uh, it's not common to use that time of year anymore? Okay. Uh, they do talk about starting to freeze. Just maybe put not used at the moment. Okay. Currently. Not used currently. Pipon uh, we use. And then we, uh, Sequin we don't use. Okay. Yeah, and then Mioskamin is, uh, Mioskamin. It's this one, but instead of the T, it's with a Y. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, this, these six seasons, um, that's not the way that most people would think of the year anymore in Cree? No, not that I know of. Well, for planes, because we were planes, maybe, right? Maybe maybe they were used, maybe. but not currently. Yeah. Okay. There might be others that it's are using it. And I, I would, I would uh, probably say more traditional communities that like are closed off, they might be using those. be interesting to know, like, are people out there in the world, like, talking about the months this way? Have you ever heard someone just like out of outside of a school setting? Um, have you heard people using the, this way of talking about the months and the and the year? I think I've found that um, the youth want to learn. They want to learn this this information. Um, I guess it it's just um, I, I teach these things that uh, she does too and. Yeah, sometimes I, I wondered whether, you know, others were doing exactly the same too. But I guess that's kind of what my job is going to be. Because I just moved into my job. And so the program that I deal with, I'm getting more, more in-depth with it. So I'd really like to say that, they, um, that they're very interested in in it and I think we just have to provide that space and that time for that kind of stuff to happen for them to learn that kudos to both of you for teaching this this that's really wonderful to hear um, is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners or with Ben about this topic just I had heard hunters uh, mention uh, the month of September the name no it's topism they they would mention it, you know, uh, like how soon is it coming up? Because that's when they can go hunting. That's cool. I'm gonna try to use some of these too. And then uh, as okay, then the non-native population, I think they go first, and then they're just waiting, sitting on it when the native population can go. In September, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that's a good... Uh, that reminds me of another question, too, um, which is, like, um, uh, do you think it's 
is is that the right thing to do for like non-indigenous folks like me like uh is that is that cool is that okay if for us to start maybe talking about the year this way like seeing the geese and going like hey yeah it's geese migration month it would definitely help and also the women they start talking about the babies when they're going to ripe and when they're going to be in their estimated guess when they're ready and i know they they talk about it so we can help by thinking about the year this way and talking about the year this way yeah the berries um and hunting um i know this past season it it it, it was weird the berries come came at some weird times mm-hmm. yes it was, it was like about one month weird or it was like one month they weren't supposed to be there and they were there already they were already ripe uh, the raspberries and the strawberries even the Saskatoons do you like strawberries? Oh. I have some up front if, if would you would you want some yes yeah <laughs> Okay, let's go. Let's go get some. Let's go. Let's go grab some strawberries. But they him now, of course. <laughs> so fast forward to me playing all this for Ben. First off, I wanted to talk with him about the six season, four season thing. Say that again, <laughs> Ben. Well, the the um, elder that I'd heard this from was from Asenewuchi uh, Winnewak, which is uh, near Grand Cache. And she's quite correct that that's a very traditional community. They're actually a non-treaty people and uh, quite isolated. And it's actually not surprising at all to hear that the uh, traditions are pretty different. So. Yeah, I was r- really fascinated to hear that, that she was like, oh, no, that's, that's not common anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, then we talked about what keeps languages alive and what makes them vulnerable. National Museum, talking about Dagger Through the Heart. Yeah, I also haven't been to Brazil. Um, we were talking about sort of this this feeling of like, uh, are we being vampires by like talking to these elders and um, saying like, hey, can you please pass along this priceless culture before you die so that I can record it and keep it in a museum? And I think the fact that the National Museum in Brazil burned down and took with it priceless recordings of cultures which are no longer actively practiced or have been exterminated, I think is a good example of that's not a that's sometimes much less a safe way to preserve culture than like actively practicing it out in the real world absolutely i agree and um the situation where i grew up in bc is even more dire you have uh straight salish languages and uh wakashan languages uh like haida languages like that that are maybe have four or five people who still speak them um, some of these uh, First Nations are doing just the Leviathan task of trying to revive these languages uh, by teaching them to the young people. Uh, but they're, for all intents and purposes, dead languages. And to and, and yeah, like you say, it's like to to try to extract everything you can from these elders, even when you're even when you go about it in the most respectful of ways, does feel like a sort of cultural vampirism. Um, as do, and, and there's something fairly in, ingenuous about being a white guy and saying, hey, let's celebrate the Cree seasons. Um, 
as though I somehow have, uh, you know, a well-rounded knowledge of what that is. Um, With the asterisk, though, that Norma did say that she thinks that this is helpful, at least, yeah. to, like, normalize thinking of the seasons this way, like, might encourage even younger Indigenous folks to do it, too. I think... My main takeaway from this is that whether you divide the season, whether you divide the year into four or, or six or whatever other number, it's still at root a uh, conception of the year and the kind of flow and ebb of the uh, of the seasons that's directly tied to nature, to the animals, to the ecosystem. And that, to my mind, is still very much what's missing from our view of things. Uh no doubt in kind of pre-Roman pagan Europe, uh, this, our, our seasons were more seen in that way before Roman emperors decided they needed to have seasons named after themselves. Um, and before organized religion got in the way. But um, we're so far from that. And other cultures have much more of a recent connection to that type of view of of the year and the passing of time and i think it would all we would all be far better off if we at least questioned how we view the passing of time and our connection to the land and kind of how we count off the days and weeks and months i think listening to this was interesting because i had had I, I had maybe too many hopes riding on this conversation to give me like all the tools to notice what's going on around me in a more effective way. And I kind of came away with it realizing like, oh, right, I can't just outsource all of that to somebody else. I also have to do that work myself. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, this is not a straightforward topic of conversation and, uh, or intellectual exercise at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I I look forward to more conversations like this, to be honest. Thank you for posting your question on Taproot, Ben. Well, thank you for picking, grabbing the ball and running with it. Thanks for listening to Let's Find Out. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line at chris at letsfindoutpodcast.com. You can download all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just shout at your smart speaker. And also at letsfindoutpodcast.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Let's Find Out Podcast. If you're interested in learning more Cree, I know of two places in Edmonton that offer classes for adults, the Center for Race and Culture and the Ben Kafrob Society. I'll link to those in the post for this episode on the website. And I'll also link to Ben's poem, Okotwin. Okay, thank you, Time. Thank you to Ben Freeland, to Norma Saddleback and Yvonne Saddleback. Thanks also to Ruben Quinn, Shelley Jodwin, Jerry Saddleback Jr., Jerry Saddleback Sr., Miranda Jimmy, and Rose Eva Forks Jenkins. Thanks to Taproot Edmonton for supporting this podcast. If you want to become a member or sign up for updates like Taproot's Media Roundup, you can head online to taprootedmonton.ca. And thanks to everyone who's been supporting this, especially Finn. Original music for this podcast is by the seriously lovely human being, Doug Hoyer. Artwork for our logo by Andrea Hergy at Mount Pioneer Design. All right, that's it for this month. Until next time, keep your questions coming.
Squatiumsk, like beaver, beaver lodge, because that's where they used to come for to bring their beaver pelts for Edmonton. So I'm Squatiwaskaikan. I'm Squatiwaskaikan. Skycon is like the Fort uh, Edmonton, the house. The house of Fort Edmonton. Yeah. Skycon. Yeah. I didn't know the name was linked to the actual fort. Oh. Fort Edmonton, yeah. Oh. I'm Skycon. 